We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans. This is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, I am your host, and joining me as always is Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Nick Foles is undefeated against Tom Brady. Is that right? My gosh. <laughs> I felt the need to be. He's only played two games against him, I think. And he's okay. <laughs> I actually don't. Okay. He might have played a game in like 2013 or something against him, but I don't honestly remember. I think he's just played those two games against him because... He was always in the NFC with the Eagles, so I, I can't imagine there was a third game unless it was like God forever ago. But he's still went out in my book. <laughs> yeah, so weird. You know, the Bears four and one, and they arguably have the worst quarterback situation in the league. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, pushing that, pushing the narrative in the opposite direction. Speaking of quarterbacks, obviously the biggest news of the day: uh, Anthony Lynn has named Justin Herbert the starter the rest of the way. Um, I usually on the first day of practice, they don't do the head coach press conference. They usually do a coordinator press conference. And then Anthony Lynn does the second day. So uh, when it, when the chargers got that sent out that notification that Anthony Lynn was speaking to the media, I kind of figured that that's what would happen. And then obviously he made the decision. Uh, Alex, what was your initial reaction to finding out that Justin Herbert was starting the rest of the way? 
Yeah, um, Tyler mentioned this yesterday, I think, but it felt like things were very quiet uh, for a while, which kind of like made us think maybe there's a big starter announcement coming at some point, uh, or maybe they're kind of like, you know, holding something in. So I, I sort of felt that this was coming too, especially because Tyrod's healthy this week, and you know, you have to make the decision one way or the other. Uh, obviously, I think because of how Herbert proved himself uh, in the last three games. I think it's the right call. Um, and Herbert really left no no room for doubt after the Tampa game, right? That was kind of the, you know, you could make the argument against the Chiefs. All right, he got maybe a little lucky his first game. You know, the Panthers, he looked a little sloppy, but Tampa was just an all-out, uh, fuck you, this is my job game. And, you know, it's it's what it was. He, you know, was making really great throws, reacting to pressure well, going going through his reads, was really poised in the pocket. Um, And, yeah, he kind of won the job for me over uh, in that game. Uh, Obviously, I think he would have been the starter uh, anyway, even if the effort had not been quite as fantastic. But I think he definitely left no doubt with the Tampa Bay performance. So obviously, um, it goes without saying that this sucks for Tyrod, just because you know, unlike other you know stops, right. this was totally out of his control, right? Um, you know, in the way that it happened, right? I I kind of wish that he lost the job on his own merits as opposed to, you know, the uh, lung puncture that, you know, kind of changed the course of the season and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Tyrod kind of knows what's up. I think he understands the deal. Uh, and I'm very happy for him to be the backup. Um, you know, in any, in any case, if Herbert does get hurt, uh, I'm very comfortable turning it over to Tyrod. And I think, you know, in that case, he's kind of one of the best, backups uh to really have in the league and you know to still be able to mentor for um the period of time that he'll you know still be a charger for the rest of uh 2020 and then you know we'll see what happens uh in the offseason with free agency if there's a spot for him uh or you know if maybe he can stick on the chargers as um a backup to herbert potentially but um yeah no i thought it was always the the right call especially after the tampa game um I also think to some extent it would have been a disservice to put Tyrod back in um, just because of the challenging position the Chargers would be putting him in, right? Because it would have been a short week uh, in terms of, you know, how many days he'd actually be able to practice. Uh, He hasn't had reps since week one. And, you know, all of these things kind of combined, plus you're playing the Saints on Monday Night Football. Um, I I just think... Yeah, in this situation, if you did put Tyrod back in, it would just not be a good situation for Tyrod. So, um, I, you know, a lot of people believe also that, like, Anthony Lynn was forced into this decision um, because of comments Anthony Lynn has made over the past couple weeks. But I don't really believe that to be true. Um, I believe Anthony Lynn wanted to see how ready Herbert was. He saw how ready Herbert was, and that was the decision. Uh, I also don't believe there was any organizational pressure i believe this was you know a a totally anthony lynn on his own decision um but yeah no i'm uh i'm excited and i hope he brings it on uh, monday night yeah absolutely and you know you mentioned the outside source or outside pressure maybe 
Um, the Spanos family has historically been very hands off in terms of personnel decisions and, you know, really wasn't outside of a slight push on for to sign Tom Brady. You know, we haven't really heard much in terms of them being active in personnel and roster decisions. So I do think this was Anthony Lynn's decision. And, you know, there were some people kind of criticizing him for the way that he handled it. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of heat on him for the Tyrod is 100% our starter comments and Justin Herbert is a backup for a reason comments. And, you know, I think we just need to take a step back and realize that he was in a tough position because, you know, coaches have football. They, they have plans for their football team. And like you mentioned, you know, this wasn't an injury on the field. This wasn't a performance thing. This was off the field. This was, you know, by his own franchise, basically, you know, taking out their quarterback, their starting quarterback. So it was a tough situation for Anthony Lynn to be in. And I thought that he handled it. I'm not going to say he handled it perfectly, but I thought he handled it. Okay. Um, but this was 100% the right decision. And, you know, I've kind of said this on Twitter without Mike Williams, without Austin Eckler, without Brian Belaga, without Trey Turner, this team just doesn't have the pieces around Tyrod Taylor to support him in a way that is conducive to him excelling in his role. And that's the biggest thing for me right now. You know, this team needs a high, a top tier, uh, arm talent at quarterback right now because they're going to have to throw to win games and you know we'll get into more into this when we do our week uh preview but this running game is is not going to be very good uh without austin eckler i think josh justin jackson and joshua kelly really struggled and and the offensive line isn't healthy so i think this is the right decision because it elevates the offense you know anyone watching can tell that justin herbert's arm is elevating the offense and you know the ceiling with justin herbert at quarterback you know, is much higher than it is with Tyrod in, in terms of offensive output. Now, this team has some clear defensive issues, which we'll get into. But, you know, I think this was 100% the right decision for this football team. Justin Herbert has been outstanding, you know, arguably the best three starts in, in any quarterback in NFL history, right? And so, you know, I'm excited about this. I think Anthony Lynn handled it well. I think he has... Uh, you know, we said this a couple of weeks ago, right? That he kind of was backtracking each time that they were asking about him. He went from 100% to, I just wanted to get him healthy. Uh, we'll see. And then, you know, again, on, on the Sunday, he was like, I don't really want to answer that. So, you know, I could kind of see this coming, like you mentioned. And ultimately, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Justin Herbert can do. And uh, he's got some really nice uh, games coming up. Obviously, Monday Night Football in New Orleans is, is not easy. But that defense has has shown some cracks. And then, you know, they've got the Jets and Jaguars and Dolphins and Raiders. So, Nice schedule for Dustin Herbert and is to get some momentum going and hopefully get some wins. Yeah, uh, I will. I, I you know, <laughs> I would fly to L.A. to watch uh, Justin Herbert just trash the Jets uh, in their entirety. <laughs> just, just fu- <laughs> Justin Herbert should be the one to fire Adam Gase. Uh, <laughs> That'd be so funny. I will say though, uh, the guys that locked on. So shout out to them. They mentioned that. Uh, Justin Herbert in his first start in his first few starts will play obviously Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. But don't forget, you know, with Sam Darnold's injury, there is a chance that they play Super Bowl MVP <laughs> Joe Flacco. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, they they would play uh Flacco and then <laughs> that's great. Um man. Sucks to be a Jets fan right now. Uh <laughs> yeah, it does. But um In terms of in terms of Keeping Tyrod, you know, there were some questions. Some people asked me, like, what do you do with Tyrod? Do you cut him? Do you try and trade him? 
I'm in favor of keeping him. What do you think about, you know, tired for this year and potentially after the season? What do you mean trade him? The backup would be Easton Stick. <laughs> who, who, and again, that's not the Easton Stick because I know there's Easton Stick people. Um, but and again, I, I like what Stick has done in the preseason. Sometimes, like he, you know, he has flash. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Other than say like the New Orleans preseason game, uh, but you know he, yeah. he he's had his flashes, um, and you know I I think they drafted him in the vein of like um, what kind of Jason has mentioned on the show, which is like you know you draft a quarterback to uh, kind of draft a quarterback and you know have an asset, right? Um, you know, and if you develop him and he turns into something great, if he doesn't, he doesn't, right? Um, but Easton Stick at this juncture. Uh, I don't think is capable of of being the backup. So I don't think you're cutting Tyrod and trading Tyrod. I mean, okay, but what value does that give you? Like NFL trades aren't NBA trades. Like it's not just like, oh, well, this guy is a point guard and he's not getting any minutes here anymore. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to trade him, you know, to a place where we'll get more minutes for a second round pick or a first round pick. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I, I don't even think there would really be much interest because, uh, especially in a time with COVID, right? Like, people are relying on their backups and the people that are already in their system, right? So it's kind of hard to trade for, you know, a backup that's coming from another system that has to learn your offense, and then you have to input him in. It's just like, you know, I, I don't think any team's going to trade for him. But, you know, I think people um, just maybe, uh, I guess, discount, like, what, you know, or I guess underestimate what having Tyrod Taylor as a backup is, right? I, I think he'll be very helpful to uh, Justin Herbert in terms of learning the system uh, and in terms of developing point. as a quarterback. And, you know, Justin Herbert, without two of his offensive linemen, happens to get, you know, uh, hit in the ribs like he did in the Carolina game. I'd like to have a guy who is, you know, capable of throwing the football at an NFL level if, you know, the offensive line ends up killing Justin Herbert. Uh, so, you know, it, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, you know, um, I get why people aren't thrilled about Tyrod, but I, I would still much rather have Tyrod uh, for the remainder of this game than get, I don't know, a conditional seventh round pick for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's spot on. And, you know, just from the veteran leadership standpoint, you know, Anthony Lynn mentioned this today. He's still captain on the team. People still respect him in the locker room. And at the end of the day, that leadership is so valuable for these young quarterbacks. And, and you know, when you're in a quarterback room, you really rely on your backup to to sh- to kind of show you the way and show you the ropes and, and, you know, point out things in film that maybe you don't see. And so it's a, it, I think it's important for young quarterbacks to have a veteran in that room with him. And so I think Tyrod is the perfect backup in this situation. And like you mentioned, if anything happens to him, then, you know, then you have Tyrod to be able to step in and. I know they're Easton stick truthers and the pick made sense to me when it happened because, you know, like, like you just said, like you take a quarterback every few years in the late rounds and maybe it becomes something. Maybe you find a Gardner Minshew type player, right? Or uh, um, I, Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. That's the one I was thinking of. So it makes sense. But right now I just we haven't seen anything and he didn't get any reps in practice because it was all Tyrod and all Justin Herbert. So. 
I don't know. If there was a full preseason, I'd be like, oh, okay, I can understand it. But no, nah, I, I want to keep Tyrod around. And, and if he decides to try and, you know, see if he can start on a team next year, you know, all power to him. But uh, ultimately, I think there's not that there's not going to be very many other jobs. And so I, I'm all for bringing him back as a backup. Uh, but I guess that's up to him and, and Tom Telesco in the future. Yeah, I would just say it's hard to know what jobs are going to be open now. Like, if you if you went back right. to where were we four weeks in the last season, right? Four weeks in the last season, I mean, I still kind of thought Rivers would come back, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't think yeah. that that was a crazy True. thought to have at the time. And then, you know, a month later, you had some Joe Burrow rumors and... Uh, you know, then after Rivers kind of started declining, you had the Chargers were kind of all in on a quarterback reportedly. So, you know, I I just, you know, you never know what's going to happen around the league. And I hope Tyrod gets another um, opportunity somewhere. Uh, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't get a chance to at least compete for a starting job or, um, you know, be another kind of bridge quarterback again, uh, I'd I'd love to see him back with the Chargers, right? If, you know, if they can resign him to another um, backup deal, I would be totally uh, down with that. Uh, with you know, he seems to have a good relationship with Lynn, um, and you know, I would see no reason not to resign him as the backup. He would be kind of one of the better backups in the league, in my opinion. So, um, you know, that obviously all depends on how the offseason plays out, how the draft plays out. Um, and, and, you know, how the kind of musical chairs of quarterbacks really play out as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I hope he gets an opportunity next year to be a starter. But if he doesn't, then I, I'd love to have him back here. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And obviously, you know, like you mentioned earlier, just feel bad for him for having to go through this again, right? Yeah. And, you know, this happened in Buffalo when he was benched for Nathan Peterman. This happened in, in Cleveland. Uh, when he got a concussion. So, uh, you know, he's been a true pro and Anthony Lynn has really highlighted his, his leadership and, and I'm excited to see him stick around and, and kind of be that mentor for, uh, Justin Herbert. So, uh, in terms of what this does for the rest of the offense, it'll be really interesting to see how his relationships, I mean, how Justin Herbert's relationships with the other guys kind of develops because right now, I mean, Keenan Allen is on pace for a monster, monster season. Right. I don't, I think that'll kind of, you know, regress to the mean a little bit. I'm not going to say that it's going to be like week one, but, you know, Hunter Henry could have some big weeks coming forward. Mike Williams eventually will get healthy. And and so we'll see. But in terms of the rest of the offense without Austin Eckler, do you think anyone besides Keenan kind of benefits from having Herbert instead of Tyra Taylor? Um, I think the general benefit for some of the guys uh, in the offense might be that uh, he's willing to uh, maybe pass the ball to a guy that like uh, he doesn't have the most confidence in, uh, you know, and, and we saw that a little bit this week with Tampa Bay with Tyron Johnson and, uh, you know, Donald Parham and, and kind of, you know, events like that in the Tampa Bay game where, you know, he was thrown to guys that, you know, weren't expected to be uh, receiving options, you know, and uh, I, I think that's something that Herbert, because he's uh, because he's so new to the league and he doesn't really have like his favorite types of guys yet. I still think he'll maybe you know uh, maybe Tyron Johnson will uh, go off and and become maybe uh, in a, in the conversation for third receiver or maybe 
Um, the Chargers go, hey, we have a 6'8 tight end, and we got a touchdown with him on one snap, so maybe we should use yeah. him a little more often. Um, right, so it, I think it's stuff like that where it's just like I could see Herbert spreading out the ball um, maybe a little more evenly than Tyrod would because um, Tyrod, as we saw a little bit in the Bengals game, was very heavy on uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Williams. Those seem to be his two favorite targets really from that game. Um, and I, I think you'll see Herbert spread out the ball uh, a little bit more, obviously with heavy doses of still Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and unfortunately now not Austin Eckler. Um, yeah, that, that Austin Eckler thing is, I think a big loss unless, you know, Kelly or Jackson, yeah really steps up, uh, not just obviously in the run game, but for the receiving game for Herbert, right? Uh, having Austin Eckler being able to kind of run those screens and uh, be as efficient as he was in the passing game, I think really helped Herbert. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there were there were stats, you know, in, in week three, uh, Keenan and Henry and Eckler combined for about 75% of the offense. Uh, in terms of yards, and in week four, they combined for 83. Uh, or, yeah, so, it, it, you know, Eckler obviously still played um, a very big role in this offense, and so I'm curious to see how how they kind of replace him with Justin Herbert. Um, so, you know, obviously you'll have, I think, heavier doses of Henry and Allen, um, but once Mike Williams gets back into the picture, once all these guys, um, get back, like, you know, now we have Joshua Kelly. So does he kind of become the new Eckler? Is it Justin Jackson? Right. So there's a lot of questions to answer like that. Um, personally, I don't know if it'll make a huge difference in the receiving game, but I think it'll make the receiving game, uh, a little more complicated and, uh, maybe will force Herbert to get, uh, a little more creative without Austin Eckler. Yeah. And, you know, outside of Derwin James, I think this Austin Eckler injury is, is the biggest loss of, of the injuries because, right. you know, you lose Melvin Ingram, you have a Cheno Woso, you Wosu, excuse me. Um, you lose Chris Harris, you have Desmond King. So, you know, Kaiser white instead of Drew Tranquil. So you have depth in other positions. And, you know, I know we were all super excited and maybe I was guilty of this as well, but, you know, Joshua Kelly has not played extremely well since his week one, you know, outburst in Cincinnati. You know, I know he had 23 carries against the Chiefs, but wasn't highly efficient as a runner. I'm kind of concerned where his vision has been the last couple of weeks. You know, he, uh, Shane Steichen mentioned this, and I'm glad that I wasn't the only one who noticed this. But um, Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson both had chances to pop big runs. And, and for whatever reason, they decided to go the wrong way. Right. And so that speaks to maybe a lack of confidence uh, in themselves, or maybe they were not healthy in Justin Jackson's case. Um, so, you know, those two have to step up in a big way. And especially this week in, in New Orleans, you know, because it's, it's a very similar game plan. And I, what I think to beating the Buccaneers and the chiefs is, you know, you got to keep the offense off the field. You got to run the ball, control the clock, which we'll get into, but you know, I think losing Austin Eckler obviously hurts. Um, I'm excited for Tyron Johnson, man. When I watched the game back uh, with the All-22, his speed pops. And he you can tell that he just has that extra gear that the Chargers have been searching for really, you know, since, I don't know, Stevie Johnson. <laughs> so 
it's it's been a long road to to find a true burner for this team. You know, obviously Tyrell Williams had a had a a short career with the Chargers, but you know Tyron Johnson's speed is legit. And I texted this to you and Tyler. There was this they the Chargers ran the same play to get Tyron Johnson deep in the second half, and the Buccaneers had three <laughs> defensive backs back there to make sure it didn't happen. So uh, they learned from their mistakes, and credit to them. Um, and they learned quickly that Tyron Johnson's speed is legit. So that'll be really interesting to see how he develops. Jalen Guyton has been improving as well. Um, you know, Mike Williams isn't healthy, but you know, those two young guys, those two undrafted free agents have been stepping up in a big way for the chargers. Right. So, uh, we do have a little bit of news. Uh, we are going to do an episode, uh, Monday morning. We will be doing it our week, uh, five preview that day. So we're not going to get too into the game against the Saints um, until then. So you will have an episode, obviously, tomorrow when we when we release this. And then again on Monday and then again on Tuesday. So you're going to get a lot of our voices. <laughs> and hopefully you guys enjoy those episodes. Um, now we are going to shift to our my interview that I did with Gilbert Manzano. He is officially a recurring guest and was gracious enough to uh, joined me last night and we were talking things all Justin Herbert. Uh, we talked about Joe Reed. So uh, make sure you guys give that a listen. Okay. All right, guys. So happy now to be joined by Gilbert Manzano again, officially a recurring guest. You know, we, we chatted back in the spring before the draft. And so obviously a lot has occurred since then. Uh, Gilbert, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Steven. Thank you for having back having me back on, you know, you know, twice now. So I do feel like a regular. So thank you for having me on <laughs> again. Yeah, of course. We appreciate it. So obviously, you know, it's been uh, a crazy start to the season, you know, with the Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert situation, all the injuries and, 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 you know, the Chiefs game in particular was wild. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't start there with the quarterback situation. What have you made of Justin Herbert? And, you know, what's been like the most impressive thing that you've seen out of this rookie quarterback? Yeah, before I get to Justin Herbert, I just want to say how wild it is that we got to this point, especially after such a quiet training camp, such a quiet offseason. There was no quarterback controversy. It was all about Tyrod Taylor. And then week two in a flash, it just changed. It's all about Justin Herbert. Uh, we're talking about Justin Herbert possibly better being better than Joe Burr. Burrow. There might be a possibility of seeing Tua Tagovailoa and, and Justin Herbert uh, in the weeks coming up. Yeah. And we all thought that Justin Herbert wouldn't even, wouldn't even play until maybe November, December. Uh, but to answer your question, Steve, he, he's been impressive. He's been like uh, Ken Allen said, he's been lights out. Uh, there's things that I was worried about him. Uh, he, he answered all the questions: uh, accuracy, timing, touch, reading defenses, uh, leading a huddle. Uh, learn the scheme. Everything that I was kind of concerned about, he's pretty much answered the, answered the question. Like, we all knew how talented he was. We saw it in training camp, that the arm, the size, and mobility. But can he play on the field at a rapid pace? I know the turnovers are still there a little bit. But overall, man, it's been fun to watch him. I know it's been a struggle for this uh, football team. They're one in three. Uh, but just watching Justin Herbert and knowing that we get to watch him on a weekly basis is pretty exciting to me. It is pretty exciting. And like you, I've been so surprised, you know, watching him at Oregon. I just didn't see this happening this quickly. And I think it's just been so much fun to watch. And obviously it started in a big way against the Chiefs. And this past Sunday, man, that arm talent, that rocket that he has was was on display, you know, all game long. That that throw to Keenan Allen. I know obviously everyone's talking about the the big touchdowns, but that throw to Keenan Allen where Keenan uh toe tapped on the sidelines was just crazy impressive to me. 
And Stephen, before I keep going, I don't know if you heard my dog in the background, so you might make some noises in, uh, in your podcast. Sorry about that interruption there. Oh, it's all good. It's uh, all good. My dog Cam there. Uh, but, you know, I was going to ask you, you know, which throw from Herbert to Keenan, because I feel like Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert had a <laughs> together. But I'm going to guess you're talking about the, the jump ball over the defender, keeping the toes in bounds. Is that the throw we're talking about? Yeah, this, pa- this past week. You're right, because that throw to Keenan for, over Tyron Matthew and then, you know, against the Panthers to – uh, when he threw it at the, the touchdown over Shaq Thompson, excuse me. And then this week, you know, the toe tap was just outstanding. Yeah. You know, Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert have found that connection, you know, before, I don't want to knock on Tyrod Taylor, but before the season started, I was worried about Keenan Allen because he, uh, Keenan and Phillip Rivers have such a good connection that you felt like that's going to take some time, that rhythm and timing, especially uh, Keenan Allen kind of relying on, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the, on the routes, uh, you know, ball placement, stuff like that. And just to see Justin Herbert do that so quickly and kind of connect with him. I think I tweeted out uh, during the uh, the week two uh, matchup against the Chiefs where I'm like, like, I keep thinking about Justin Herbert and Hard Knock saying, uh, it's my job to give you the yeah. ball. And so far he has. Uh, but those throws that have been memorable from Justin Herbert, most of them have gone to Keenan Allen. And I know that that catch from Keenan Allen, he got a lot of credit for that. But just to throw that ball in that tight window, uh, Keenan Allen was saying he wasn't even expecting the ball, uh, but he likes to throw it to uh, Tan likes to throw it his way, is what he said. Yeah, uh, put it in there, you know, at the right spot. It was a little difficult for Keenan, but just to make up a window, that that was impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved Keenan's uh, mask that he wore to the press conference. You got a friend in me was was a nice was a nice touch from him. Um, unfortunately, there have been you know a lot of injuries. You know, it's just seems to be the theme around the league, but the Chargers in particular. Uh, and, you know, I want to touch on the Austin Eckler injury. What are you hearing? And I know Adam Schefter said six to eight weeks. Is there a chance that he could come back before that? Is there a chance that it could be longer than that? What are you hearing about Austin Eckler these days? Yeah, you know how Anthony Allen likes to keep it with the injury. He doesn't want to say yeah. too much until he has to. Uh, so I know he had an opportunity to tell us on Monday, but Adam Schefter already said four to six weeks. Uh, so we were kind of like, you know, can we confirm this or not? Uh, but I think I saw somebody tweet that Austin Eckler went on his, uh, I guess, his, his Twitch account, his uh, gaming site, and he and he com- pretty much confirmed. He said, yeah, four to six weeks that he's trying to get a second opinion, uh, hopefully a little sooner for him. I, it, it's nothing. It doesn't sound like it's too much uh, knee related. I, I think he, somebody whoever tweeted out was saying there was more, you know, the hamstring, I guess, in the, in the butt area. Uh, and 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 I know it's not a knee thing, but sometimes those hamstrings, especially that type of how, how how kind of severe it sounds. It takes a lot yeah. of time. And then you never want to come back. You don't want to rush it. Uh, so I think maybe for him, it might be on the six-week side. Uh, and I know for the Chargers, like, it, it's hard to say, oh, well, you, you bring them back bring them back in December because we don't know how, how this team's going to do. Like, are they going to be in a playoff yeah. push? Can you save them? Do you need them right away? Do you start thinking about draft picks? It's such a weird scenario. Uh, but I know Austin Eckler is such a big guy that you need. Uh, you could tell that 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 Russian attack really missed him uh, against the Buccaneers. It was, it was pretty much not there when he went out, uh, especially those checkdowns. Uh, uh, you know, Herbert to Eckler, that that's a vital. I know Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly can't do that, uh, but I, he will be out of uh, quite some time. I'm expecting him to go on IRR tomorrow. Uh, you know, with the Chargers, kind of everything's pushed back pushed back a day because of Monday Night Football games. So I think tomorrow we'll we'll probably get an official word. Uh, tomorrow being Thursday, we'll get an official word on Austin Eckler. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll, we will be rooting for good news, obviously in terms of, you know, you mentioned Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, 
you know, neither one really impressed very much. Obviously, Joshua Kelly's had a little bit of a struggle with uh, fumbles. How do you see the two of them kind of shaking this out? Do you think it'll be, you know, an even 50-50 split, or do you think someone will uh, kind of pull ahead? You know, I I, I am kind of leaning a little bit to the 50-50 split uh, because of the fumbles of, to Joshua Kelly. He's kind of had a, a few weeks, you know, kind of regressed a little bit. He had a hot start the first two weeks, but he hasn't really done too much. I think I saw that he had – he had nine carries for seven yards. That that's kind of unheard of. Like how do you kind of you know generate yeah. one less than one yard per carry? Uh, and the fumble was not helping. But I know Joshua Kelly has been very consistent in the passing game, so he could help out that way. And I also know that Anthony Lynn is a big fan of Joshua Kelly, and he's not gonna you know give up on him. It's, it, you know he's a rookie. He's gonna have mistakes, so he's gonna keep feeding him the ball, especially in sh- short yard situations. But I know the Chargers really like Justin Jackson as well. He just can't stay healthy. Uh, but I think with a week to prepare, they're going give, to give them a 50-50 split because the Chargers, are, are, are they're, they're looking for a lot of speed and quick scores, and they got it a week ago. But Justin Jackson, he could do that. He's, he's, yeah. he's supposed to be kind of the, you know, that you know that lightning kind of guy. Uh, you kind of already had it with Austin Eckler, but now it's kind of a good com- combo between Joshua Kelly, kind of the ground-and-pound Thunder guy, and you got the lightning guy with, with Justin Jackson. So I think those guys could kind of complement each other well, which is kind of funny. In training camp, they're battling for number two. And now they're kind of they're they're, need, they're needed for each other to kind of be the the one A and and one B kind of thing. So I, I think it will be a kind of a good split just because I know the Chargers really like Justin Jackson and just with the whole thing that happened to Joshua Kelly, uh, maybe they kind of want to ease him into it. And if he does well, uh, I think Anthony is always saying that he's going to feed the hot hand. So if Joshua Kelly turns out to be yeah. a bell cow, he's going to feed him. That's a good point. That is a good point. The other injury that's kind of. You know, obviously he hasn't missed any games yet, but Joey Bosa is, is, you know, pretty clearly impacted by his triceps injury. Is this something that he can continue to play through? Or do you think that eventually he's going to have to miss a game or two before he can, you know, get back to his, you know, normal self? Yeah, it, it sounds like he's going to keep pushing and keep playing through it. And I, I was actually working on a story on, on, on Joey Bosa today that I might release later this week. And it, it just seems like every time we talk to to Joey Bosa, I know it's been on the day after the game, so he's going to be beat up, but he just looks so tired emotionally, yeah. physically. Uh, it just seems like that tricep injury is it's, it's really kind of weighing on him. And I know he's a guy of, 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 of routine, craft, technique. He's such a hard worker that when, you, when he misses a week of practice, it throws him off, and he doesn't like to kind of mess up his routine. Uh, so maybe that's kind of getting on him mentally. Uh, and then, you know, they don't they don't have Drew Tranquil. They don't have Derwin James. They don't have Melvin Ingram, Justin Jones, Chris Harris Jr. Like he, he's going to see a lot of double team, triple team. He's going to have to carry this team and you bring in the, the bad tricep. Uh, he was on the injury report with the ankle injury. Uh, so it's been all, you know, not so well for for Joy Bosa. I know a year ago he kind of handled it pretty well. He was kind of he was dominating a, a couple of times and kind of carrying this defense. But after a while, when you keep losing close games in the same way, it just takes a mental burden, and he, and he just yeah. looks emotionally and physically beat up. I don't think he's going to miss any games because he's, he's such a competitor. Uh, maybe this week might help out having an extra day for Monday Night Football to kind of you know rest and then get back to the normal routine. Uh, but Justin Jones, Melvin Ingram, they're not going to be out there again. He's going to do it again, yeah. alone again. So uh, it, it's just you know for the Chargers, you know they they got to find a way to help him out. And and you rarely see Joey Bosa lose one on one matchups, and he he kind of you know he lost to Tristan Wirfs a week ago. Uh, I, I think he would he wouldn't say he lost, but he, he gave him a lot of credit. You know, he gave the rookie a lot of credit 
Uh, he was pretty quiet. He didn't have a sack. A streak of, uh, a, a, I think he had, he had a streak of three games of getting a sack. A couple QB hits here and there, but it wasn't enjoyable. So we kind of, you know, come to see. Uh, and I don't, I don't think he wanted to make an excuse, but you, you could tell the tricep is kind of, you know, affected him a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, I would love to get see him. You know, you mentioned the extra day of rest. I think that hopefully helps him out this week. Um, you know, we saw some undrafted free agent guys step up this week in, in Donald Parham. And, you know, his one play was one touchdown, which was was fantastic. And uh, Tyron Johnson, man, his speed really pops off the off tape when, when I was watching this uh, yesterday. Do you think that those two potentially earn themselves some more reps going forward? And, and I know Anthony Lynn talked about how Tyron, you know, went in on to his office Friday at, at 5 a.m. or whatever it was and, you know, was, was yeah. asking to play. Do you think that those two could be uh, seeing more, you know, bigger roles going forward? I think it depends on, on Mike Williams' injury. Uh, if you can't play, you got you got to keep Tyron up there, especially if you're shorthanded. But if Mike Williams is available and you've been preaching the whole offseason, you want speed and you finally got it, I, I just don't get how you, you bring down Tyron Johnson back to the practice squad. I think I saw that he is in the practice squad. He could always bring him up. Uh, but to me, I feel like you finally get speed. Uh, you know, you, you know Jalen Guidance, you know, you know, kind of being consistent finally and and why mess with it, you know? And I, and I really like the ball distribution from Justin Herbert. He got nine people involved. And I think that really helps helps out the, the offensive yeah. line, especially with the injuries, not knowing, you know, you know where the ball is going to go. Uh, and I, I think Anthony Lynn is a, is a fan of Tyron Johnson he, and he really wants the speed. Uh, and, but also that makes me wonder about Joe Reed, you know, is he, is he going to get playing time ever? Uh, now that Tyron Johnson is uh, stepping up, especially Jalen Guyton, and then you bring in Mike Williams, you know, you have kind of the force on there. And what about even KJ Hill? I think KJ Hill might be a little higher in the pecking order as well. Uh, so suddenly the Chargers kind of have a good problem to have with so many options. I was kind of waiting for that. These guys to finally step up to number three, number four, because it was too much of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, which is not really a bad thing. That's a very, you know, outstanding one-two punch, but sometimes you got right. to move the ball around. Uh, and I, I and I kind of like the three tight end set with Donald Parham and, and Virgil Green and Hunter Henry. Again, that helps out the yeah. offensive line. I think Parham when he got that one snap, he made it count. Uh, so I think for Donald, especially in the red zone, uh, and, you, and you're bringing Mike Williams back, you got two options right there, uh, mismatches. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't see why the why Anthony shouldn't keep doing that or Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. I know it was very. You know, it, it, the scheme was very matchup based to the Buccaneers because they like the blitz and they kind of knew they're gonna have a lot of one on ones. Yeah, that's what it sounded to me from Anthony. So I don't know if it's a guarantee to keep doing this if, if it worked out. It could be different with the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints have some injuries in the secondary, so they might want to take advantage of that as well with some speed. Uh, so we'll see with that. But I, you know, if, if it's going well, you know, I, I say you know roll it out again. But I think for Anthony, it's on a week to week basis right now. That's that's a good call as well. And, you know, you brought up Shane Steichen and, you know, he's been, you know, a lot of Chargers fans have been uh, less than pleased with him for some reason. I think he's doing a good job. I think he's improved each week. Uh, what are you seeing from Shane Steichen? You know, this is really his the first time calling his system. Uh, what are you making of, of Shane Steichen in the first four games? Yeah, you know, he's getting the yards. That's not a problem. He's moving up and down the field. I think they're averaging about maybe 400 yards per game. You Love to see that. But for me, I kept going back to how slow they were. They weren't getting the quick scores. They were controlling the time of the, the, you know, the time of possession, the clock. Uh, but, you, you know, all these teams are scoring at a high pace. The Chargers yeah. weren't. I think they're in the bottom when it comes to scoring points. So that, to me, was kind of a, 
uh, you know, how do you fix this? Which is kind of hard to knock it when you're controlling the clock and you're getting the yard. It, just, it was just a weird thing. And finally, this week, he kind of finally got that big surge of 31 points, of which I've been waiting on, and the ball distribution, getting all these guys involved. It, I think this is, you know, probably one of Shane Sykes' best games, or I guess called games, uh, you know, to kind of go to toe-to-toe with, with, with Tom Brady. I know Justin Herbert deserves a lot of credit. Uh, but to get these guys open, I think that Tyron Johnson uh, touchdown pass, I was well, you know, drawn up from Shane Sykin, I thought, and and, and Herbert kind of knew the play. He was just kind of waiting for Tyron to get up there. Uh, but I, I think for Shane, you know, fans should be a little patient. I, I do like what he's doing every, because he's being consistent in scoring the points uh, and doing well in the red zone. Uh, I think they'll be okay. And the, and the rushing yard, I know this week wasn't good because Austin Eckler, but the rushing yards were pretty good as well. And that's what really matters to Anthony Lynn. Remember, Remember last year when they couldn't break 40 yards? That was yeah. a weird month. Uh, and Ken Wesleyan lost his job because of that. And Shane Steigen kind of fixed that. But the points, you know, scoring at a fast pace never really occurred until last week. And that's what I've been waiting for. And if you could, you could build up on that, I think, you know, he'll be around for a while. Uh, but I think so far they're okay with Anthony Lynn and Shane Steigen. And, and I always wonder how much of Anthony Lynn, the input he has, or because uh, there's times where I, I, I listen to the interviews. And they're they're always asking Anthony Lane like why did you why did you go for this why did you go for that on fourth down and he's like I don't really have any problem with the play calling so I think it, it kind of shows you that Shane Sykin has a, a you know a, a big leeway when it comes to fourth down situations and when to go for and stuff like that so he has trust in Anthony Lynn uh, and we'll see how it goes from there. And I think one of the things that's been most impressive to me from the coaching staff is that they're really figuring out what Justin Herbert can do on the fly and they're doing it well and. You know, we finally saw, you know, three or four deep shots this week. And so I think as long as Shane can continue to develop that relationship, that should obviously benefit the team going forward. Yeah. And I, I just kept going back, going back to like, you needed downfield shots. And I was talking to uh, Fernando Ramirez um, from SI. Uh, I'm like, I really like what Justin Herbert is doing, but I'm kind of waiting for some more downfield shots. And sure enough, he answered the call this week or last week. <laughs> Yeah, it was you know incredible to watch and so much fun. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this last question. Obviously, the Saints Monday Night Football. Um, you know, I think Alvin Kamara probably is the key to the game. But but what are you looking forward to uh, watching this week for the Chargers? Well, you know their backs are against the wall. Uh, to use that cliche, uh, you know the three game uh, losing streak. They're going to have the game in New Orleans. I know there was a hurricane there, but it sounds they're going to be there. Yeah. Uh, I just want to see, you know, how we saw it a year ago with the with that Packers game kind of surprised everybody, and it was their best game of the year. And you kind of could tell, you know, where can the season go? And we were already kind of riding off the Chargers, yeah. and they kind of just dominated Aaron Rodgers uh, at home at, at, at the Dignity Health, whatever it's called. I forgot already. <laughs> uh, uh, and then you kind of feel like there was a, a, a second momentum. I think the Chargers need something like that. Obviously, it didn't go that way last year. They kind of fell off after that. Uh, but if the Chargers could win this game, have their best performance of the year, now you're talking about playing the Jets, you're playing the Jaguars, you're playing the Dolphins. You could kind of easily go, yeah. go off on a three-game streak. I know that I know they should have won that Carolina game. That that, that would have been so different right now to be two and two instead of one and three. But now sure. you have all the pressure, uh, and especially Justin Herbert to go against a, a, another all-time great Justin Herbert and, and Drew Brees. Uh, but I don't want it to be all on Justin Herbert. I, the, he needs some help. Especially on the defense, where you couldn't stop Tom Brady on five straight possessions last yeah. year, last week, uh, and you're not going to have the same guys again. So I think uh, for the Chargers, it's uh, help out Justin Herbert, help out Joy Bosa. You want to see these guys step up 
Uh, I thought the offensive line played well last week, you know, more of that. Uh, but, you know, it's just so weird because a week ago, I really liked what the offense did. So I think this week I'm going to, you know, look more on the defensive side. Uh, can Casey Hayward have a bounce, bounce back game? He might have to face Michael Thomas if he's back this week. Uh, Alvin Kamara, if you, if you slow him down or contain him, you have a real shot there. Uh, Kenneth Murray, I know he's been the, the rookie that people are high on. He hasn't had too much of a, a big impact. He's been solid, but not those big plays. So yeah, for this week, you need guys like that. Uh, I know Limbaugh has been clogging up the lanes, but maybe he could have a, a breakout game. You, you really feel it. Uh, you to Jerry Taylor, those guys need to step up because when you're playing Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and the Superdome, I know there's no fans there. You're going to need all the help you can get. Absolutely. And it it has felt like the Chargers are just so close in all these games. And, you know, unfortunately, just the other teams are making all the key plays. And, you know, the game on Sunday is probably very different if Kaiser White is able to get that interception on on Gronk. And, you know, that could flip the game easily. So it feels like the Chargers are just so close in every single game to just flipping the script. and, And like you said, going on a run. Yeah, I feel like they're due for one of these comeback games with the offense having the ball. I, I know a year ago, Philip Rivers, you know, had a lot of interceptions, and then Justin Herbert had, you know, had their interception last week. So, we know, this could be a close game. It may, for for once, the, the ball goes the Chargers away and they get a close game. But I think for Anthony, he's tired of the, the close games. And how about get a yeah. game like that Packers game a week ago where nobody saw that coming? Yeah, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun. Obviously, if the Chargers went into the into the Superdome and just dominated, obviously that would be fantastic. Uh, Gilbert, this has been an amazing experience for me. I, you know, I've been uh, so happy to have you on the show. It's been a lot of great insight from you. And uh, Chargers fans, make sure you subscribe to the OC Register and uh, continue to read Gilbert's work. As it is, you know, uh, he does a fantastic job covering this Chargers team. I appreciate it, Steve. And I want to say some good things about you too, uh, and your podcast and, the, and, and your crew, you guys, are, I, I see you guys a lot on Twitter and you guys are breaking it down, helping me out too, with some, <laughs> uh, film stuff, uh, some good observations. So it's always kind of good to see, you know, other minds that work. So I, I appreciate what you guys do as well. Well, I appreciate that. That's it's always good to hear from uh, other members of, of this business to that get that positive feedback. So I appreciate that. All right, good. But thank you so much. You have a good one, man. Thank you, Steven. Take care, man. So yeah, shout out again to Gilbert for joining us. I thought that he brought a lot of good insight to the table and, you know, all these Chargers reporters do a fantastic job. And I thought it was interesting when I was asking about Justin Herbert, he kind of seemed to know too, because he said, you know, I can't remember his exact words right now, but he said, I look forward to seeing him start the rest of the year or something along those lines. And, you know, it didn't seem like anything big, but maybe he could kind of tell that, but uh, just inter- interesting to hear his uh, his thoughts on the whole situation. So that being said, we are going to get to some league-wide news. We're going to get to some of our picks. We are going to do our week, f- week five picks this week since, obviously, we'll be recording Sunday night for our preview. But, man, we got some uh, big news out of Houston. <laughs> Bill O'Brien has been fired. Uh, he lost hit, He lost two jobs in one day, head coach and GM of the Texans. Uh, what did you make of, of Bill O'Brien getting fired, and uh, why did the Texans wait so long? Uh, I thought the funny thing about this to me, and this came out like the day after he got fired, was that there was some uh, confrontation with J.J. Watt. Uh, and I'm like, all right, so he got fired basically for confronting J.J. Watt about something, <laughs> but not for trading the second best receiver in the league. Okay. Um, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I just don't understand why they went into this, like, thinking it would work, because, like, Bill O'Brien, like, when they gave him the GM job, was, like, already sort of underachieving a little bit. I mean, you had kind of a couple early um, playoff eliminations. You know, he had the team in the right directions, generally speaking, but uh, it it was just, like, entering this year, I was like, I'm not sure what Bill O'Brien can really do differently this year to put the Texans in... A better position than they were, which was a 24-0 lead on the Super Bowl champions. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then obviously they trade Hopkins, and you know Bill O'Brien as the GM obviously also made the, the Laramie Tunsil deal, which looks like a total disaster now because now uh, Miami has Houston's first and second round pick this year, which you know if the Texans really slide. Uh, here and and go past Owen four and end up you know somewhere like four and twelve at the end of the year, um, that's pretty disastrous and can result in yeah. the fran- you know that that itself might result in the franchise being set quite a bit or set back quite a bit, um, you know and so I I guess it's interesting what they'll do next. I assume they'll probably hire a GM first at some point and then uh have a coach like a normal organization does um but it's uh yeah it's just tough to see houston's window just kind of wasted like this uh in this bill o'brien era and you know obviously it's still going to be an attractive job because deshaun watson's there and you know if you have the chance to play with uh him as your quarterback you take it um right but 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 i don't know i i just I wonder if they really feel they have um, enough to be competitive there uh, outside of Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun Watson. Like, you know, uh, other than that, it's kind of a, you know, scrap-filled team. So, I mean, they definitely have to improve the roster, but they have less resources to do so now. Their roster is it's just so bad right now, and... You know, they could win, obviously, if they had DeAndre Hopkins, but <laughs> they they don't have, like, any good picks, right? Because they traded the pick that they got for DeAndre Hopkins to get Brandon Cooks. You know, they traded for Carlos Hyde. They traded for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills in the same trade, so they gave up a ton there. Um, they've just been – they traded for Duke Johnson, too, so they've just been trading all these picks away, right? And – and now they have nothing to show for it. You know, Larry Tunsil is, is a fine player, but they gave up a ton to get him. And so you're really left with, you know, three, maybe four kind of long-term building blocks. You know, if you consider um, the Reed brother and maybe Zach Cunningham at middle linebacker, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's just tough there. You know, they lost DJ Reader in the offseason. Winnie Merciless is old and unproductive. J.J. Watt is old and either really good or really bad. So this roster is just, you know, I have a friend who is a Dolphins fan and he was texting me the other day after the Texans lost and were own four right now, the Texans are projected to give Miami the third overall pick. And then the Dolphins would have, I believe the ninth overall pick. And so he was texting me and he's like, dude, the chart, the Dolphins could get Panay Sewell and Jalen Waddle in the same draft. And I was like, that's disgusting, man. Yeah. That's, 
that's just insane to me that the Texans have been that bad. And, you know, if they had DeAndre Hopkins, I guarantee you they're not 0-4. Yeah. And it's just, you know, Brandon Cooks has been non-existent. Randall Cobb has been non-existent. It's basically Will Fuller and some bad tight ends and then Duke Johnson. Like, that. that's the receiving threat for Deshaun Watson. And it's just it's incredibly sad to, to watch him kind of just get thrown under the bus. And we've seen time and time again, that the best way to build a championship roster is have a rookie quarterback. And then you kind of just swing for the fences in other areas. But you know, they've, they have really swung for the fences and struck out in most of the, those ways. Right. In terms of being an, being an attractive job, obviously you have Deshaun Watson, but it'll be really interesting to see if they can lure maybe Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich or the uh, offensive coordinator in Buffalo. But I don't know, man. Like in terms of coaching jobs, uh, unless that's your only option, I don't know if I would take that because you, you really don't have many resources to to build up the roster until yeah. 2022 when you finally get some draft picks again. Yeah, I don't know if I would take it. It's just more when I think about the other jobs that can open up. We talk about Dace in New York or, you know, Maybe Vic Fangio in Denver. I don't know. There's a couple other options and a lot of other options of guys who might get Atlanta. Hmm? The Falcons job. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously, Dan Quinn. And that's, you know, you, you have Julio Jones and the offense is already kind of set there. Right. So that's um, kind of a great uh, position to be in. So there are definitely better jobs than the Texans job. But I do think Deshaun Watson is going to be, you know, that. Uh, that prize that lures people into that job, you know, <laughs> whether yeah, it'll go good, sure. I don't know. That depends on Texans ownership, probably. <laughs> yeah, and and I saw that they're gonna try and get a GM hired in the middle of this season, which is gonna be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously they'll attack the head coaching opening in the off season. So the other big news of the week has obviously been the league's, uh, I guess, battle you could say with COVID. The Tennessee Titans have you know, continue to test positive and, and they have to not test positive for two days in a row before they can return to the facility and practice. So uh, that game against the Buffalo Bills has been tentatively scheduled for Tuesday. Um, and then if that does happen, then the Chiefs and Bills game would be moved from next Thursday to the following Sunday. And then we also had the Patriots game was moved from Sunday afternoon to Monday afternoon at 5 at 5 p.m. Eastern, which is going to be super weird. <laughs> um, but these these this COVID battle, man, you know, the Titans, I honestly think should be made to forfeit at least one game. You know, they broke a lot of protocols reportedly and, and practiced, even though they weren't supposed to. Uh, what did you make of, of what's going on in Tennessee and around the league with in terms of COVID? Uh, I think Tennessee's punishment should be uh, they have to release Ryan Tannehill uh, and trade for Marcus Mariota. Uh, <laughs> that should be Tennessee's punishment uh, for this whole COVID thing. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it does seem like they broke some violations, and they, there were rumors going around from like Florio and other people about you know uh, kind of like a not a death penalty punishment, but uh, a very harsh punishment coming down the pike. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, I I just hope for the NFL's sake and not having to reschedule or cancel or, you know, Adam Schefter brought up the radical idea that they could cancel games and just go by win percentage. 
uh, which is, you know, not a good thing to hear. Um, so, but, um, yeah, so I I don't know. They're, they're in a tough position because it's just tough to reschedule all these games and, and, you know, figure out what you're going to do, you know, for, for the sake of the, this game and for the sake of the league though, I, I hope that everyone does uh, test negative tomorrow in uh, Tennessee or at least for the next two days. So maybe they can get this show on the road. Um, I don't know how high my hopes are necessarily for that. Uh, as far as the yeah the, the Patriots, obviously it's Stefan Gilmore um, test positive, so that was a big deal. I um, that's a big loss for them, even for the uh, if even if it's just for a week or two, um, just because he is you know their best defensive player still. And, you know, it's a matter of, you know, we saw how valuable Cam Newton was on Monday when, when he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, with Hoyer and uh, Stidham, I think Stidham played a little bit better, but not that much better. Uh, so, you know, I think that that's just the reality at the end of the day is um, it, it, it's, you know, it, I, it's just tough uh, with the COVID situation right now. So. They'll try to reschedule these games, but, you know, you never know if it's going to work. Um, I also thought the interesting rescheduling thing that we got was before the hurricane moved westward, they were, there were talks about playing Charger Saints uh, in, <laughs> in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, yeah. which would have been, uh, that been weird. pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, you know, really odd to see Philip Rivers play there and then the Chargers <laughs> play after. Um in, in terms of the COVID stuff, man, thankfully, it seems like this is an isolated outbreak in Tennessee. Um, you know, New England has obviously Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore, but thankfully they are asymptomatic, which is, is good news. Um, you know, but this is very similar to what Major League Baseball went through with the Marlins and the Cardinals, right? Because right. those teams had to basically pause the season. Obviously, you know, you can't do double headers in, in the NFL, right? So that's how Major League Baseball was able to make up some games. Reportedly, the NFL does have the, all the hotels and stuff like that in Tampa Bay uh, reserved for a four-week four period in case there was a uh, pause on the season. But obviously, with, if just one team is breaking out like this, you know they're not going to pause the entire season. Right. And eventually, they they might just have to start handing some L's to Tennessee and and be like, you know, sorry, like until you get a handle on this thing, like you're just going to keep forfeiting. So um, Mike Florio mentioned that as an option. Uh, there is a, a report out there or not a report of rumor. I should say that they're going to be losing up to uh, a few a handful of picks as well. And you know, it sucks, but I kind of don't feel bad for them because they're the ones who broke pro- protocols. They're the ones who played a football game, knowing a football player and a coach had tested positive for the virus and they didn't report it. So, you know, Tennessee has, has definitely shot themselves in the foot uh, going forward for sure. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I don't know how you quite are gonna recover from this if you're Tennessee. I I just hope they play the game this week and they don't have to postpone it further and further and further down the line, which you know might trigger conversation about a, a rest period for for the league as a whole and being suspended or you know how exactly it'll work come playoff time. But right now, um, it it's just uh, uh you know I I was just discouraged by what I heard from Schefter today about the idea of doing it by win percentage, which makes me think that the NFL feels like they might be at a drastic point. 
Um, but I don't know. It's um, it's not crazy yet, but I I definitely hope just things don't get crazier than they already are. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely hope that Tennessee is able to get a handle on this thing and you know get back to playing football because you know we went so long without sports, man. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. I could handle a pause on the NFL season. Right. I think that would be a disaster for for everybody watching, of course. Um, so we'll get to our week five picks now. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and, and then obviously we'll do our, our week five preview of the chargers and saints game on, we'll record that on Sunday night and get that out to you guys Monday morning. Um, Alex, let's start off with the Seattle, Minnesota game. Both of us are picking the Seahawks in this game. Um, you know, the, uh, league wide picks were interesting. There wasn't a, a ton of enticing picks. So both of us took the Seahawks, um, over the Minnesota Vikings. I want to talk about this though, because the MVP debate is so interesting and you tweeted this out that it's Russell Wilson and it's Aaron Rodgers only. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of agree with that, but at the same time, as much as I am a Josh Allen, I don't want to say hater because I don't hate him, but I guess denier is more the right word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, What have you made of Russell Wilson's play though this year? Because it's been so fun to see him finally get the chance to, you know, cook right but that you know that's the thing that we've been saying all summer is let russ cook and you know he's finally getting the chance to cook so what what do you make of the seahawks long term what do you make of russell wilson's chances at getting the mvp this year uh i mean he has pretty good odds uh i i would say he's obviously the betting favorite right now rogers is uh second to me uh with you know how he's been playing probably still a distant second to russ but obviously there's Still games uh, and more opportunities for him to catch up, but uh, you know I I I just think this is kind of Russ's year, and maybe the media has somewhat already predetermined this with the fact they never gave him an MVP vote and all that. But Russ yeah. is just you know he had what five touchdowns in each of his first three games, which is just insane. And um, yeah, th- there is a little bit more freedom to the offense where. Uh, Russ is just able to kind of do what he wants, so I, I, I definitely think there's that aspect of the obvious, uh, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, with Rodgers, it's it's sort of a similar thing. I, uh, he's just been awesome this whole time, carrying the team with almost all their wide receivers hurt, and they didn't draft a receiver, uh, and you know he's still proven he can go out and do that, uh, you know, all the time. And, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really it for me. Uh, Josh Allen, I understand, but Josh Allen is putting up pretty good numbers, but I just don't, uh, see him catching Rodgers or Wilson in that department every time soon. Yeah. I think the bills would probably have to go like 13 and three, 14 and two for Allen to get like legitimate hype. Mm. And his their schedule gets much tougher. You know, the, the Raiders are probably the best defense that they have played. So it's, you know, I, I want to see more out of Josh Allen before I'm ready to, like, admit that I was 100% wrong. Right. Obviously, he's improved a ton. And I'll, I'll acknowledge that he has improved a lot. Uh, but I don't know if I buy him in terms of, like, being an MVP candidate. Um, so my wife, Brooke, she used to be a Packers fan, right? And then, obviously, she married me and... And thankfully, she uh, saw the light, so to speak. Um, but I was having this conversation with her the other day that it's crazy that the Packers are better now than they were last year because they didn't get any notable free agent additions. 
They didn't get any, they don't have any impact rookies. Like they basically are running the same squad back from last year and they look better. Aaron Rodgers looks better. You know, I have to think that drafting Jordan Love kind of motivated him and just wanted to be like a revenge tour this year. But uh, the Packers are crazy this year as well. Uh, in terms of your other picks, so both of us went two and one last week, or no, you went one and two, right? Yeah, I went one and two. Steven went two and and one, so we are both zero and zero uh, and four, eight and four, eight and four. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we would be bad if we were zero and four. But uh, for my picks this week, uh, I have, as we said, the Seahawks, uh, and in my two games, I got the Colts over the Browns, and in an upset special. Uh, I'll take the Eagles over the Steelers. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to surprise people. Um, still kind of a close uh, game for them to travel. Uh, on, you know, NFC, NFC, AFC matchups tend to be a little bit fluky. Uh, as we saw uh, in the Bears game versus the Bucks tonight, there's a little, or not that's a yeah, NFC matchup, but uh, when teams you know, frequently don't play each other. I do think there is a little bit of unfamiliarity, uh, especially between like the Eagles and Steelers and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, if Wentz picks up where he left off last game, I think the Eagles got a, got a chance to win this one, uh, better chance to win this game than, uh, versus Baltimore in the next week. So, uh, I, I think the Eagles, uh, come out on top on the upset special. So I'm going with the Colts, the Seahawks and the Eagles. I agree with that. I think, you know, I was so happy to see Carson Wentz play good uh, on Sunday Night Football against the, the 49ers. And, um, you know, there, he received a lot of hate, obviously, for his start. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Carson going forward. Uh, so my other picks, I'm taking Carolina over Atlanta. Um, that's kind of my upset of the week. And I just I I know we kind of picked, painted this picture of Carolina being a bad team, but you know, they beat the Chargers and then they went and shut down Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and, and that was a good win for them. And I think, you know, they're they're building something nice down there in Carolina. Big fan of Matt Rule and what he's doing. Um Joe Brady is getting head coaching buzz already after four <laughs> games. So that's gonna be something to to keep an eye on down there. Uh and then I don't know, like I, I feel like the this Texans team, they have a lot of veterans, and so I'm taking them to win over Jacksonville. I don't know if that's necessarily like a hot take, but um, yeah, I can't imagine that JJ Watt, Deshaun Watson, all these veterans are, are going to be pleased with Owen five. So I think they'll come out, play with some energy and get a Romeo Cornell win. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy Romeo Cornell's getting another opportunity. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of weird to hear his name again. Um, so yeah, I, I hope the Texans get back on track. Uh, I, I don't know if they will, but might be too little too late, but I, I'd like to see Deshaun Watson, you know, just go uh, full bore and maybe they give him full control of the offense without a coach. It would be pretty fun. Um, I'd love to see, you know, let Deshaun cook, <laughs> you know, yes. in combination with our uh, let Russ cook movement. Yeah, Deshaun was my uh, MVP pick on our roundtable episode, and so I'm not feeling too good about his chances right now, but... You know, I'm hoping that Deshaun can uh, get some get some love going forward. Um, in terms of the Chargers and Saints, before we get into our uh, Week 5 preview on Monday, I will say something to keep an eye on in this game is Hunter Henry. The New Orleans Saints have allowed each starting tight end that they have faced to score a touchdown, uh, and all of them have had over 50 yards except for one. So uh, this could be a big game for Hunter Henry. 
And obviously, I think that would be a, a nice uh, feather in the cap for the Chargers if they were able to go down there and pull in the upset. Uh, if Hunter Henry had 80 yards and a touchdown, I think that would be a, a good help for Justin Herbert. And the uh, the Saints, obviously, something to keep an eye on. I tweeted this out earlier. They have won 12 consecutive October games, and they have covered the spread in all of those games. And the Saints are currently favored by 7.5. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's about it. Uh, little Uzi Burt, welcome to the starting job. <laughs> yes, uh, if you saw my Twitter poll about which nickname is your favorite, little Uzi Burt was Alex's creation. Uh, Alex over here, you know, he is a medical mind. He's, he's book smart, but he's very creative as well, especially in terms of coming up with nicknames. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a fun nickname to come up with. Just things that, because <laughs> nothing really rhymes with Herbert other than like Sherbert or I don't know other things. But you know, if you think think of Bert, it's like okay, I can do something with this, and that's what I did. Uh, and <laughs> it almost, I think it almost beat Air Bear. So you know, we gotta boost it in the polls. <laughs> uh, I expect yeah. another poll on Sunday, and I expect it to probably beat Herbie. Uh, cause we, we can't call him yeah. Herbie. He's, he, he's a grown man. Let's, let's call him the losing yeah. part instead. <laughs> <laughs> Herbie feels very like uh college esque. So yeah. we need to work on getting a lot of people tweeted me saying that they like Herbo or, or Jay Herbo, which I don't know. That, that seems kind of weird to me. Jay Herbo, but, uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Joey Bosa called him Herbie. So yeah, that's probably I guess name maybe once he, uh, yeah, once he gets further into the league, maybe he'll get a get a grown up nickname. I don't know. I feel like some players just never got nicknames. Like, um, I mean, Phil, yeah. Philip Rivers just had Felipe Rios, but that was like it. I mean, no, he didn't really have any other nicknames. Uh, yeah, Peyton Manning didn't really have one. I think my favorite nickname on the team for the Chargers right now is honestly Donald Parham and uh, Chicken Parm. I think <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite one. Yeah, I think that's the best one. Or yeah, I, I like Keenan's uh, Slayer. Um, yeah, it's a cool yeah. nickname. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's try not to force nicknames. When let's let's just let them come naturally. Maybe <laughs> maybe Herbert will do something zany in the next four weeks and earn his nickname or something. Yeah, there we go. You know, Fitz Magic and Minshew Mania. They, those didn't happen right away. Right. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Um, so we will be releasing our, our quarterly grades as well to our Patreon supporters. So, uh, if you're, if you are on Patreon, make sure you keep an eye out for those. Um, you can always follow us on social media, including Instagram. Uh, I do occasionally post on there, but mostly we are on Twitter at GC podcast 17 at Stephen I Hagland at Alex Landsdorf and at Tyler Shoon, our other co-host who will be joining us on Sunday and Monday night. That'll do it for tonight's show. You guys have a good one. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.